Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. But uh, turn with me. I won't preach for too long, I promise. Um, just a couple of hours. So turn with me now to uh, Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. Um, and I want to read, I'm going to share a, f- a, few, a few sections of a, a familiar story. And I want to preach something that I really hope that you'll catch God as... It's one of those messages that I feel like um, I feel like this every week. Really, I feel like I wish I had another week to study and just because there's so much more in this. But I feel like it's something that God has has really given me for us in this uh, season as a church, and uh, we're stepping into something new. And uh, I believe that for us, and uh, it's exciting what God is doing. Um, we are in the middle, not in the middle, towards the, the uh, latter stages of construction and redevelopment of the building, which has been exciting. Um, and, uh, and so we're almost finished um, with all the construction outside. But uh, I believe, you know, and we've been saying it and declaring it, that we felt that with the, with the development of the building and the, and the renovations of the building that we're doing in the natural, that we are also, as a church, spiritually, we are stepping into a renovation is something new. And, and we've been declaring it since the start of these renovations that we are also spiritually stepping into something new. And, and then Pastor Jensen came and declared over the church that it would be the year of breakthrough. And I believe that, that we are breaking through into new ground, new territory, new things for each one of us. And it's exciting. Something that we do need to announce, which is um, an exciting announcement for us. With the new configuration of this room, um, we have actually been able um, to put in this room an extra 200 seats that we were not able to fit in um, prior, um, which is exciting. So with that in mind, we are actually um, changing some of our service times or really just moving them around in the night services. So come March the 19th, we are going to be starting new service times. It will be 9.30 in the morning, 11.30 in the morning and one combined 5pm. We're just going to pack this place out and just do a big party, go crazy for God. We're not limited with time restrictions. We can just throw it open and just see what God wants to do. And, and I believe that's going to be a powerful, powerful time for us um, as a church. So mark, make sure that you mark that down. It's going to be exciting as well because we will, you know, four services on a Sunday is a lot and, and it sort of becomes a bit of a machine that you often, we sort of roll out four services and we don't get as much time to connect and hang out as a family. And so we want to create some space for that. And so downstairs, we're going to have the um, our cafe will be opening soon with the outdoor seating area and fire pits outside. And it's going to be awesome. So we're going to have after parties happening out there after the 5 p.m. And it's going to be a fun time. So get excited. Put that down in your calendar. And uh, it's going to be a great... Exciting new season for us. I want to preach from this story in Daniel chapter 3, and I'm not going to read the whole story um, for sake of time, but it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men are three Hebrew boys that are positioned in a really, it, it's posi- they're positioned in a difficult time, in a difficult place for Hebrew boys. This, this story, and, and perhaps you know it, but if you don't, I want to I just share it with you real quickly. These men are positioned under a king called Nebuchadnezzar, who was an evil king in Babylon at the time. There was a lot of sin, a lot of craziness going on. But these Hebrew boys were friends of Daniel. You know them from earlier in the story. They were selected. They were among a group alongside Daniel that said they were not going to eat of the the food and the wine that everyone else was eating, they were going to um, separate themselves from those things. And 
These are those boys. And what we're reading or what we're talking about tonight is the story of where King Nebuchadnezzar built an idol, the Bible says, and the idol was made of solid gold and he built an idol and he instructed everybody and he said, what I'm going to do is when this idol is is erected, there's going to be a trumpet will sound or music will sound and everyone needs to bow down and worship this idol. And if you know the story, you know that these three Hebrew boys made a decision and they said, we're not going to bow down and worship that. We're not going to do that. And so the, the story goes on that these three boys, they were, it was reported to the King Nebuchadnezzar that these three Hebrew boys were the only people that refused to bow down to the idol. And so the king brought these, these men to get uh, to, to, to before him. And it says that the king was mad. He was angry. And so he has these boys in front of him and, and he says to them, you know, if you don't do this, I'm going to throw in the fire. These three Hebrew boys um, said to him, you do what you want to do. Throw us in the fire. Our God is going to deliver us. In fact, they went on further to say, even if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow down to your idol. And so they took these Hebrew boys and they threw them in the fire. And if you know the story, the Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar looked in the fire and he said to his assistants, didn't we just throw three guys in the fire? Why do I see a fourth person in the fire? And you know the story, the Bible says that it was the angel of the Lord sent in the fire to walk them through that journey and protect them. How many Thank God for angels that come through those times and seasons of fire and difficulty. And the Bible says that when these boys came out, the king was so impacted, one, by their faith, but two, by their the provision and the protection rather of God and the, the, the presence of God's hand upon their life that the king actually said to them, because of what you boys have done, I am going to send out a decree now over this land that every single person will now serve your God. These boys were strategically positioned by God for this moment. It's a powerful thought that this king, the story begins with telling the whole, ki- the whole kingdom to bow down and worship a false God. But the story ends with the same king telling everyone to bow down and worship the real God. These boys were strategically positioned by God for this moment. All throughout the Bible, if you look all throughout the Bible, the Bible is full of story after story where God strategically positions people for a specific plan and a specific purpose. We have to understand that He is God. He actually does not need us. God does not need us. When God, when, when, when the Israelites, when He wanted to set the Israelites free from captivity in Egypt, He actually didn't need Moses to do that. He didn't need Moses. What God did was God chose to strategically use Moses and work through him. He chose to strategically position him for that moment in that time to do his supernatural work through. God didn't need David. It wasn't like Goliath was a big issue for God. It wasn't like God is up in heaven looking down and be like, well, Goliath, I mean, the dude's pretty big. Like this dude's stacked. I don't know what to do. Like 
You know, is there anyone that knows how to throw some rocks? Oh, there's a little shepherd boy. See, listen, ask him if he's got anything on the books for next week. Let's maybe see if he could help us out. We're struggling. He did, that did, conversation didn't happen. What he did was he looked down and he said, you know what? I want to use a boy that doesn't have any weaponry training at all. I want to grab just a kid and show that if you position your heart correctly in faith, I'll move through you and I'll do not something natural, but something supernatural. You see all throughout the story, God God did not need Esther to set the Jewish people free, to save the Jewish people. But He chose Esther. And He he constantly chose, continued all throughout the Bible to choose people where it didn't make sense. The problem is we, we know these stories, we get so familiar with them, we forget how crazy these are. He didn't need Esther, He chose Esther. All throughout the Bible, he didn't need, he didn't need Jonah to, to, to save Nineveh. He could have done that. He could have just dropped something in their hearts. He could have done that real quick. Why did he choose this dude and say, you know what, I'm choosing you. All throughout the Bible, I could go on and on about stories. All throughout the Bible where God chose people for a specific plan and a specific purpose. And I say all that to say that you are here right now in this room as part of a specific plan and a specific purpose for your life. That's an incredible thought to think, you know what? I've got purpose. I've got, listen, and I wanna go further and say the purpose upon your life is not a natural purpose. The purpose upon your life is a supernatural purpose. Purpose. You were not created, hear me, you were not created as a Christian just to be nice to people. Although that is a part of the Christian walk, we do need to do that. But somehow we have watered down the Christian walk to just being nice to people and being polite and just living a mediocre life. Jesus did not come. God did not wrap Himself in flesh and hang on a cross so that you can live mediocre. He is a supernatural God and the plan upon your life is a supernatural plan. You have a dangerous purpose upon your life. That's why, that's why hell is after you. That's why you face the attacks that you face. That's why the devil is coming after you because the devil, he cannot, he cannot afford for you to get a hold of the fact that God has positioned you here. And not only has He positioned you here, He's put you here for a supernatural plan and a supernatural purpose. Because if, we, if you start to get a hold of that, That's when revival starts to break out in your city. That's when things start to happen in your high school. That's when your family starts to get turned around because whenever someone, whenever someone's heart is correctly aligned with the position and purpose that God has for them, God will move through your heart and your spirit and do something supernatural. This is what we see Jesus walking in. When Jesus came to earth, Jesus did not come to earth to show us who God was, what God can do rather. He came to earth to show us what we could do. When Jesus came, Jesus walked in. When Jesus preached His first message in the synagogue, the Bible says in Luke 4 verse 32, it says that they were astounded at His teaching for His Word was with authority. Understand that when Jesus spoke in the, in the temple, they were not, this was not like church as we know it. 
this was this church was a bit messed up at this time. These were it was run by Pharisees, it was religious, it was it was weird, it was crazy, it was judgmental to people, there was no power, there was no and they read from they read from, from the scripture often. But what happens is here is Jesus gets up and he actually does what others had been doing. But the difference was he stepped into a purpose and his heart was so aligned with the purpose that he was operating in right there in that moment. See, that's what God is looking for. God is looking for people whose hearts, not just actions are aligned with their purpose, but their hearts are aligned with their purpose. See, when actions, that's what religion looks like. Religion is just lining up your actions to do what you're meant to do with the absence of heart. But when heart is aligned with the purpose and plan God has for you, see, God is looking for heart. And when you align your heart with the purpose and plan God has for you, God will touch it and do something supernatural. And that's what happened in this story. In this story we're reading about in Jesus, that word authority is interpreted. In, and one of the interpretations is the word freedom, the word liberty. Jesus got up and spoke with such a freedom. The things, the moment he did that, things started to shift. There was a dude in there that was bound by evil spirits and he got set free in a moment. The moment Jesus stood up there with his heart aligned with the purpose. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, just real quickly for you. I want to talk about positioning your heart with your purpose. Because if you were just going about things day to day routine, just as you're just doing what you do and your heart is not aligned and positioned with your purpose, nothing will happen that's outside of the ordinary. But when your heart is correctly aligned with God's will and God's purpose for your life, God will come down and touch it and something supernatural is going to happen in your life. You are not called to live naturally. You are called to live and walk supernaturally. I want to give you a couple of quick things. The first thing that I wrote down, and some of these things are really practical for us, but I take it as I looked more at that story, I saw each one of these things present in these boys. Because the thing about these Hebrew boys is these guys, they were not just playing church. They were not just, it wasn't just a thing for them. These guys put it all on the line right down to the moment where they actually said, you know what, even if you throw us in the fire, we will not bow down. Their hearts were so aligned with the purpose that they were walking in. They knew what they were there to do. They knew what they were called to do. They knew they were positioned there for that moment and they would not give in to any temptation or anything around them that would try and stop and hold back what they were called to do. But the first thing that I want to talk about is the first thing that correctly aligns your heart is being someone that learns what it is to continually obey. To continually obey. I'm talking about living in obedience to the will of God and to the purpose of God and to the Word of God. The Bible is full of stories where people, because of their obedience, they were correctly positioned into where God had called them to be. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, we see the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was the moment where the church was birthed. And the Bible says 
that Jesus said to them, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard me. When, he, when Jesus had said this to them, he gave them these instructions and he said, I want you to wait here. He said, I don't want you to leave. I want you to wait. The Bible says scholars say that there was about 500 people present when Jesus said that. But we know further on when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens in the upper room, there was just 120. Started off with 500, ended with 120. Why? Because there was some in there that said, you know what? We're not going to be obedient. And they missed. They were not. Listen to this. They, this was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they missed it because they were not positioned correct, correctly because they were disobedient. When you obey what the Word of God says, this Word, God didn't write this Word because He was bored and just wanted to boss you around. This is about correctly aligning. His Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It correctly aligns me and keeps me in keeping with God's purpose and promise for my life. And if I obey it, it sets me up to be what God has called me to be. So many people are walking in difficult circumstances and scenarios and caught in these crazy things where if you trace it back, it goes back to simple disobedience to the purposes of God and the will of God for their life. We've got to be people that make a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to be someone that live in obedience. Noah. You know the story of Noah in the, in the ark. Noah was used to repopulate the earth in Genesis, Genesis 6 verse 22. It says, thus, Noah's did, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. We need to be people that live in obedience. The story, the same way that obedience will set you up to the plan and purpose God has for your life. Disobedience will get you way off track. The story of Achan, you know the story of Achan in the Bible. The Bible says that Joshua, they went into Jericho and they destroyed Jericho and then God gave them instruction and said, don't touch the accursed things. Don't take the gold. Don't take the silver. That's all mine. But there was a man in the army called Achan who took it. He was disobedient and he took the, it took the things home and he didn't tell anyone and he hid them in his tent. And when the battle, when the next battle happened, the battle where they came up against Ai, Ai was a less, was a smaller town, was a weaker town than Jericho, but Ai overcame and beat Joshua and his men. Why? And the Bible says, you can read it later on in Joshua chapter 7, verse 10 and 12. It talks about why, and God reveals to Joshua why they lost that victory in Ai, that God wanted them to walk in victory, but they were wrongly positioned because of the sin that was in the camp through disobedience from Achan. What's God telling you to do? How many people are walking through challenges right now and dealing with difficulties just because of being disobedient? How, how many times do we have to hear it preached before we realise, you know what? I need to be someone that lived by God's Word and what God's Word is saying for my life. God wants to position you for victory. And one of the ways He does it is through instructions He gives us. I've found a lot of us, maybe it's we, we don't have a problem with obeying God. We have a problem with obeying the person that God has positioned over us. It's talking about being submitted. In fact, when you look at, when we look at the actual word obedience, the word obedience in the Greek is broken up into two parts. 
It actually means to hear the first part. The second part means beneath. It means to hear under. When, when in the Greek, when they talk about that word obedience, they're talking about being positioned under in a place of hearing. This is talking about what it is to be truly submitted and obedient. Are you someone that finds it difficult to obey when people are giving you instruction that are positioned over you? There is a protection there. There is a covering there. There, When every time you submit to a godly authority that's been positioned over you, you are setting up and aligning your heart to be positioned for what God wants to do in and through your life. Bosses in your life. Parents, pastors, leaders, teachers, these are people that have been positioned over us. And as we are submitted and as we, are, and as we obey, we are set up for God's will and God's purpose. One of the directions that God gives us in the Bible, another example of what it is to be obedient in the Bible, it says that we need to be people that give. In Malachi 3 verse 10, it says, Bring, into the tithes, into, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. They there that be food in that there be food in my house and test me in this or try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So giving through this, giving positions you to be blessed. So when you are someone who's not a giver, you're not a sower into the house of God, you can pray for blessing until you're blue in the face, but you won't get blessing because you are out of alignment with where God is blessing. God's blessing over here. And when you obey here, you come into alignment with where God is pouring out blessing. The Bible tells us that we need to be someone who forgives. This is another example of instruction. Matthew 6 verse 15, it says, If you don't forgive men their trespasses, God will not forgive you. So when you are someone that if you are disobedient, where the Bible tells us to forgive, when you are obedient rather, if you forgive someone, you position yourself to receive forgiveness for your own life. We have to make a decision. So you know what? I don't have I've said this before, we don't have a right to not forgive. I don't, we don't have a right. We either believe that we've got to live by the Word of God or we don't. They may have hurt you. They may have said crazy things. They may, may have done all of this craziness. You know what? Listen, I, I don't mean this harshly, but I don't care because I know what the Bible says. I've had to walk through hurt before, through situations. But every time I look at that Word, I've got to come under the covering of that Word and say, you know what, God, I've just got to deal with it. I've got to get my heart right. I've got to be someone that says, you know what? I'm going to forgive because the Word of God tells me that's how we need to live. It's hard. It's difficult. It's not, it doesn't happen overnight. For some hurt has run deep. There's layers to it. I understand that. But what I'm saying maybe for you, it's to begin the journey of forgiveness. But begin that journey, align, because you will miss your purpose. You will miss your destiny. You'll miss what God wants to do in and through you if you're carrying hurt and carrying bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. It's about aligning correctly. 
But it's something powerful when we do submit the story of David coming under Jesse, David's father, Jesse. Remember the story when David, when the man of God came to anoint David in the Bible and the brothers were there and David is left out in the field. He had, I mean, we look at that lightly. He had every reason to be bitter, every reason to not come under because not only he was anointed king in front of his brothers, but then his brothers went off to the battle. David goes off to chill with the sheep. He's left out there. And then his dad comes up to David later on and says, hey, I want you to run an errand for me. I want you to take some food to your brothers that are in the battle. Now, what if David didn't submit to his dad's authority? What if David said, forget those dudes. I'm the one that's been anointed king. Tell them to get their own bread and cheese. Tell them to do Postmates or something. I'm not doing it. I'm not running over there. What if David said, you know what? I'm not coming under you. Why would I do? You forgot me. You forgot me, Dad. Don't you remember when you brought all the brothers? You left me out in the field. Why would I do what you're telling me to do? Can you imagine how different the story would be? We wouldn't be reading about this boy David who's out slaying Goliath because he would have never been there because he would have been stuck under a tree looking after some sheep. But because he was obedient and submitted without even knowing, God picked him up from there and positioned him to exactly where he wanted to be. Where is God about to position you on the other side of your obedience? What has God got for you that He's about to pour out in your life the moment you make that decision and say, you know what, I'm going to forgive that person and move on from this. Making a decision to be obedient, learning to be obedient. The other thing that will align your heart is knowing what it is to journey, to journey through battles. I had this written down earlier, I wrote, Battles will do it. But then I change it to because it's true. It's journeying through battles will deal with your heart and will align your heart. That was the thing in this story. These, these boys, listen, it was the fire that grabbed King Nebuchadnezzar's attention. It was the, the whole scenario of these boys being in that furnace and the presence of that angel in that furnace and the fact that they went in that furnace and came out untouched. That was the thing that grabbed the king's attention that caused the king to actually tell everyone in that area of Babylon that they were going to worship God. How do you journey through the battle? Because it's the way in which you journey the battle can either make or break you. How are you journeying through that difficult situation at work? How are you journeying through your singleness? If you're believing for a spouse, are you someone journeying through it and you're freaking out and you're scared every moment or you're running around trying to date everything in two legs and a heartbeat because you're worrying about this and worrying about that? Are you going from one day to the next because you think, how are you journeying? How are you journeying through your singleness? I want to tell you, we talk a lot as a team. We say you need to prepare for what you're praying for. If you're praying for a spouse, you need to prepare for a spouse. The Bible says that blessed is he who, who, says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. It doesn't say he who finds a girlfriend hangs out a bit, 
goes on a few dates and bit by bit she grows and becomes a wife. Ladies, if you want a husband, you need to start stop acting like a girlfriend now and start acting like a wife now. Start Listen, what does that look like? A, girl, a wife is not running around dating every single dude that walks up to you that talks smooth. A wife is not running around acting crazy. A wife is someone planted in the house. What I'm saying is how you journey through your singleness now, how you journey through the difficult season now makes a difference. Your battles can actually make you and not break you. You've got to make that decision that you're going to walk through that battle. You're going to keep your heart. You're not going to let the bitterness get in your heart. You're not going to let yourself get down. You're not going to let yourself get beat. You're going to come through because you know what? You are going to come through it. You are going to be victorious. It's not going to beat you. You might be pressed, but you're not crushed. It's not going to destroy you. It's going through. We all go through those challenges. We all go through those difficulties, but it's journeying through the battle. It'll position your heart. And moving on, I've got a couple more and then we'll close. The other thing that helps position our heart is making a decision that we're going to walk by faith. These men said in Daniel 3, 3 verse 16, they answered and said to the king, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O King. But if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Every time you make a decision to to walk by faith, you align your heart with your purpose because it takes heart to walk by faith. Walking by faith is not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. And every single time you make a decision, whether you're facing a difficulty in your family situation, you're walking through a marriage thing, you've got challenges going on in your work or whatever it might be. Every single time you make a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to walk this thing out and I'm going to declare that God is in control. Every single time you've got to wake up and just, you know those challenging times when it's physically difficult to read the words on, on, on the page of your Bible. You know those times where it's that, it's that hard. I want to tell you every single time you make the decision to just look at that word and just declare those words over your life in faith. Not waiting. Faith is not waiting for the situation to turn around before you start to declare. Faith is declaring in the middle of the fire. This is not going to break me. Faith is saying, you know what? This weapon formed against me, it's not going to prosper. I don't feel it right now in my life. But it's not going to prosper because the Word tells me that it's not going to prosper. And I cover myself and you pray and you declare it in faith. You don't wait. You don't wait for the situation to turn around. Faith is not a feeling. You don't wait until you feel like it. Every time when you come in, maybe you come into church or every time you put on worship or praise at home and you make that decision to say, you know what? I'm going to declare it by faith. God, there's more happening in that moment than you realise. I look back and you've heard me talk about it, but I do it to encourage people. I look back across you know, my own 
you know, walk and journeying through that singleness. And now I look at the mo at the time. It was so difficult. It was so it was so difficult. You know, ten years of of being single, didn't go on a date for ten years, and because I knew that God had something great for me. But I remember, man, I would go and I'd be away preaching and come back, and you know, after you preach at a conference and and it's awesome and God moves, and then I remember coming back and I walk into a hotel room and I go to a hotel room by myself and lay down. Man, it got lonely. I remember taking vacations by myself. My wife talks that we laugh about it now. She's like, "What did you do?" I said, "Just chill." I mean, what do you, what do you do? Like, I don't know. I'm not kidding because I would get invited to go preach, and then you know I had vacations started to build up. I'm like, well, "What am I going to do?" All of my friends are married. All of my sibling, everyone's married. So I would take vacations by myself, and 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 loneliness will start to get in. And emptiness, and you start thinking, man, is is this going to happen? Is, but I remember, I remember specific times when I would go into a hotel room and I would just feel so lonely and so on. I know some of you perhaps feel it when you go home to an empty house or everyone else is going to hang out and you're alone by yourself. And I remember going in, I remember just shutting the door, and I would feel this emptiness and feel this loneliness. But then I remember, I just, I remember just stopping myself and saying, you know what, I'm. God, I'm not. I'm not putting up with this. I remember declaring, "So I come against that now in Jesus Christ's name." I remember being in a nice hotel room, yelling at the top of my voice, binding loneliness, binding fear, binding anxiety over my life, and say, "God, I declare by faith that you." And I start praying for my wife before she, I've been praying for Carissa for years before we even met. I'd say, "God, cover her. God, position her. God, orchestrate her steps wherever she is, whatever she's doing." God, I thank you that you've called me. You haven't called me to be single. God, I thank you that you're going to put me with the right person. And in the right time, and and the more you know what I didn't, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like it. You don't come in there and start feeling awesome about being single, and you know, and all your friends are getting mad. I don't feel like it. I feel like an idiot. Everyone's trying to set you up with every chick around the corner, and I'm like, man, I'm sick of this. They say you want to go? On? No, no, I don't want to go on date with anyone. But you know what? The more as I start to declare it. And as I start, I remember I start to speak it in faith, and the more I declared it in faith, man, I started getting excited. It started, it started, because as I started declaring faith, it started to build faith in my heart. And I thought, man, if God's taken ten years to prepare this chick, she better be super hot by the time she comes. I said, bro, this chick better be rolling. I'm ready to go. I'm. Man, I'm telling you the truth. I said, man, I know that God's preparing her. This girl's gonna be a superstar. I know that she's gonna love the Lord. She's gonna be switched on. She's gonna be carrying anointing. She's gonna be an amazing wife. She's gonna be an amazing mother. God's preparing her. And the more, the more I started to declare it, man, I started. And people would say, you want to go? No, I'm waiting for the right person. People say, why are you so excited about that? Because I've been waiting. God's been working on her for ten years. Point I'm making is all those, all through those moments of walking in faith, walking in faith, walking in faith. Your heart's getting worked on. Your heart's getting worked on. Your heart's getting worked on. He's preparing you. Keys can come. I'm going to close. He's preparing you. 
And you walk in faith over those finances. I remember getting bills that I couldn't pay. Had $8 to my name. I remember getting bills I couldn't pay. I put them on, on the desk. I laid hands on those bills. I said, God, pay these for me. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I give my life to I said, God, if I give my life to you, you get the good and the bad. I've got bills we've got to pay, so make it happen. Come on. But you, it, builds your, it grows your heart. God's got amazing things for you. He's doing a work in your life. The work that God is doing in your life is bigger than you realize. Hell hates it. It gets exciting though, doesn't it, to think that the enemy's after you? Do you get excited? Is that just me? I get pumped. I think, man, I want to do, I want to have a calling on my life that makes him shake a bit. And if you're facing challenges, then that's what's on your life. You've got a calling on your life that makes the devil freak out a little bit. But you know what's great is when you pray and you cover yourself in the blood of Jesus, he can't touch you. I said, he can't touch you. You go do your thing. The devil can't touch you. He'd do what he wants to do, freak out, get crazy, throw what he wants at me. But as long as you're a praying person full of faith and you draw a bloodline of the blood of Jesus and you pray it over your house and you pray it over your body and you pray it over your finances and you call in purpose and you call in God's will and destiny for your life. Listen, the enemy cannot touch you because you were created with a plan and a purpose for your life. And what's on your life is not natural. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. The last thing, and this is for me, it's one of the most powerful things and I'm going to close. But these boys, these Hebrew boys, they were so surrendered. So surrendered. These, these dudes were not playing games. Their hearts were so completely, this was not an action thing wasn't just that, you know, they didn't want to stand in front of everyone, but then behind closed doors, they would deny God. This was a heart thing. When you make a decision to say, you know what, I'm surrendering. I'm going to quit playing church. I'm going to quit trying to pretend. I'm going to quit. When you make a decision to surrender your heart and get broken before God, God will come and do something so powerful in and through you. For some of you, your greatest breakthrough is going to happen not when you sing more songs or not when you even speak out the Scriptures, you know. For some of you, the greatest breakthrough is going to happen the moment when you throw it all off and say, you know what, God, this is just me. God, I just just need your, your help. I need your touch upon my life. I need you to put your hand upon me. And that's what we want as a church. That's what we want. Free Chapel to be that place where you can, you can come to Free Chapel and you may not have it all together. In fact, I'm pretty sure I can say none of us have it all together. But Free Chapel needs to be that place where you can go up, go up to someone if you want a breakthrough in your marriage. Maybe you need to stop pretending like everything's perfect. And go up to someone that you trust and say, man, listen, I know it looks great on the outside, but we're... This thing's screwed up. We need some help. It's the journey. We're all on the journey. 
And the moment we start feeling like we've got to pretend to be something we're not, it's a strategy of the enemy. And you're not aligning your heart with your purpose. The moment you surrender yourself, your heart gets aligned with your purpose and God can come and do something supernatural. And right across this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to close. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.